standing just a step inside the sideline is Courtney Vine. Centers it again, foul, a long ball forward, Rasso goes to ground, penalty! Hayley Rasso was caught up among the defenders, she hits the grounds, and the referee, Adina Alves, points to the penalty spots. It'll be her left foot against Courtney Brosnan in goals for Ireland. Catley steps up, right down the middle for Australia. And Stadium Australia has never been noisier. Yes, welcome back to the Toolkit Depot studio. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. Of course, we are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Ute. You can live your own way in the Isuzu D-Max. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today. Of course, that was Australia going 1-0 ahead against Ireland at Stadium Australia last week. It actually has been noisy, isn't that? I was there when 111,000 people were there when Cathy Freeman won back in 2000. But there was certainly a lot of noise being made. And someone who's been uh, dialing into all that noise is the West Australians, Ben Smith. Ben, welcome to the show. Hey, Duff. Thanks for having me on, mate. Mate, we'll get to the World Cup. But before we do, tell us what's going on at Perth Glory. Into receivership being handled by Quarter Mentha now. Yep, that's uh, correct. So, uh, yeah, Tony Sage has handed back... The uh, club, uh, you know, it has been placed into receivership uh, as of uh, the weekend. Uh, Quarter Mensa will be, uh, you know, be managing the club over the next, uh, you know, 10 weeks. Uh, they're insolvency experts, so they're going to be, you know, ensuring that the club's day-to-day operations, you know, continue, uh, you know, unfazed. Uh, it's uh, obviously, you know, the end of a 15-year uh, tenure as uh, owner and chairman uh, for Tony Sage. He's invested a lot of money. Uh, you know, he's obviously, it's, the club has been something he's been very passionate about for a very long time. And, um, yeah, it, it really is the end of an era. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, he... Tony has been quite, you know, open about, you know, trying to sell the club over the past couple of months. Uh, You know, he's been, you know, meeting, he was meeting with overseas-based backers, uh, you know, over the last couple of months. And uh, the APL, the governing body who controls the A-Leagues, were in Perth uh, over the last couple of months to meet with uh, interested buyers as well. So I'd say there is some interest, but obviously Tony came to the conclusion that, you know, he would, he needed to hand back control of the club to the league um, because he just did not have the, uh, the funds to continue propping it up. What does it mean for Glory? Is the future of the club in any doubt, Ben, or do you expect a, a new owner will be found and they'll just progress? The APL have come out very strongly and said that the future of the club is not in any doubt. Uh, the club is not bankrupt. It is not being, you know, uh, wound up. It's not being placed in administration. They are, you know, like I said, they have been speaking to interested buyers for, uh, you know, a couple of months now. And I assume there will be, you know, some interest uh, in the wake of Tony Sage's departure in the club. Uh, it is definitely an uncertain time. and I can completely understand uh, you know, fans of the club kind of feeling a bit uneasy at the moment, but all signs from the league is that they expect Glory to have a presence in the in the league going forward, and they don't want to, you know, continue the league without a Perth presence. Yeah, absolutely. I think they need a Perth team in the league. Um, the staff and the players and, and those sorts of things, how unsettling is it for them, and is there a danger that um, their ability to list manage and recruit will be derailed by this? Well, yeah, I mean, they don't have a, you know, they don't have a permanent coach at the moment. Obviously, Ruben Zakovic uh, resigned from his post uh, in June. So they haven't had a, someone 
in control. You know, they haven't had someone in control of the team. Uh, you know, Kenny Lowe was interim coach during the West Ham game last week and the Australia Cup playoffs, which they lost to MacArthur midweek. But they haven't had uh, you know, a top dog, you know, controlling, kind of looking at the playing roster, saying we need this, we need that. And so, yeah, there's obviously going to be a lot of uncertainty, you know, from an internal point of view as well. I mean, you know, if you're, in a, if you're ever in a position where your company is, you know, being bought out, you, you don't know what the future holds. It's a very, I've been in that situation before. It's very unsettling. It's a very uncertain time for everyone. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, you know, my thoughts are with everyone at the club uh, th- throughout this phase and, you know, from an on-field perspective as well. I know the, uh, you know, speaking to Anthony Radich, the chief executive, a couple of weeks ago, he said they had, you know, they'd narrowed down the coaching search. Uh, the hot mail is that uh, Alan Stadich, the former Central Coast Mariners and Matilda's coach, is the favourite for the glory job full-time. He is currently coaching the Philippines at the Women's World Cup, which is, you know, why they haven't announced him yet. But I would expect that when that when the, when the Philippines Women's World Cup journey concludes, that Stadich will be announced as the Perth Glory coach. Um, but yeah, like you said, it does shackle the club's ability to make signings. They still have a lot of players under contract, but they they definitely need more. What is it? Um, what's the market value of a club like Glory in the state that they're in, Ben? Uh, well. Uh, my colleague at West Australian, Sean uh, Smith, uh, wrote a story yesterday, uh, no relation to me, despite the surname Smith. Uh, <laughs> industry observers say... Uh, He's old enough to be your dad. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Sean's uh, story, uh, which I was just reading through this morning, uh, is industry observers say that potential buyers will need at least $20 million just to turn up, as well as tens of millions of dollars in further funding to ensure the club is put on a sustainable financial footing. So, you know, I know Tony Sage was... Uh, you know, had hoped to sell the club for, you know, I think there was talk that he was, you know, in the market for a ballpark figure of $30 million. Um, It sounds like, you know, I don't think someone's going to pay twenty, uh, $30 million up front for the glory uh, when, you know, the A-League currently have control of it. But, um, yeah, I'd say something in that ballpark would probably be what the going price is. Just to clarify, I know Sean Smith is old enough to be your dad because he's the same age as me, Ben. So um, oh, okay. we, we we joined. I was the, wondering how you knew that. <laughs> we, we joined the West Australian around about the same time back in the uh, back in the nineteen eighties. So Sean is definitely of my vintage, and a very very fine um, business writer he is as well. Let's turn to the Women's World Cup. Uh, what did you make of Australia's win over Ireland, and uh, how is the way forward looking without Sam Kerr? It was a very nervy win over Ireland. You know, first games at a big tournament are always nervy affairs. And we've seen throughout this tournament in the opening days that the big teams have actually not really looked that comfortable. The gap between the best teams at the World Cup and the worst, and, you know, the weaker teams at the World Cup has narrowed significantly over the last four years, which is a really good thing for the for the, women, for the game and, the, and women's sport. Um, you know, Ireland were always going to be physical. They were always going to be fired up. They, you know, they relished the tag of underdogs. Um, Katie McCabe, the captain, took it upon herself to lead some of the Matildas, in all honesty. I think playing in front of a crowd that big, uh, you know, in a pressure situation, I think that was... 
Uh, meant for, yeah, especially, you know, Mary Fowler and Kira Cooney-Cross, who are, you know, two of the younger players of Matilda's lineup. I thought they had quite nervy games and maybe, you know, that because of the atmosphere and the environment they were placed in. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a result that, um, you know, I think the Matildas will look back at that game. I'll be happy they got, got the result. They probably won't be too happy with performance. There'll be some things they can pick up on. Uh, obviously, you know, when you lose, you know, Sam Kerr at the 11th hour, it's, you know, it's really tough to just come up with any, you know, style of play on the, you know, on the fly. So, you know, I don't want to, uh, you know, be too critical of them. But, you know, and when you lose, you know, a player of Kerr's quality, it's always going to have a domino effect in terms of, you know, the way you play on the field. I think, you know, heading into that Nigeria game on Thursday, this, is, this has to be Caitlin Ford's uh, team from now on. She's a world-class player in her own right. For all the attention that Kerr gets, Caitlin Ford is an absolutely phenomenal attacker uh, in, her, in her own sense. Um, you know, she's not an out-and-out striker in the same way that Sam Kerr is. But she's very good with all her feet. She's a very smart player. She's a very good dribbler. And I think she needs to be the focal point moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that. And our most dangerous moments, I think, against Ireland were with the ball at Caitlin Ford's feet. I'd, I'd imagine, though, for Caitlin to be as dangerous as she can be, they need a little bit more from Mary Fowler, don't they? They need her to get a bit more dangerous and uh, not allow opposition teams just to just to knuckle down on Ford. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think Fowler is the sort of player, she likes receiving the ball facing forward. She doesn't like receiving the you know the ball with her back to goal, which is something Kerr has become a lot more comfortable with over the past few years. And Caitlin Ford is very comfortable at receiving the ball with her back to goal. I think Fowler is, uh, you know, she's a very good player. And she's still so young. She, you know, she's, you know, I think she's 20 years old. She was at the last World Cup as a teenager. Uh, which just boggles the mind. Uh, I don't know what I was doing at 16 years old, but it certainly wasn't playing a world stage. And, you know, she is, um, she's really developed over the last four years. Uh, you know, I, you know, she obviously, she looked quite nervous, I thought, against Ireland. Uh, I think now she's got that first game under her belt. We'll see, hopefully we'll see the best of us. They'll, they would have, will have had a week of training to, uh, you know, adapt to how we're going to play without Kerr, and I think, you know, Fowler, like you say, she's really central to those. And I think if you can get that kind of connection with Fowler and Caitlin Ford in the final third, I think good things are going to happen. So will two wins get us out of the group stage? I think so. I think so. I mean, well, at most tournaments, two wins does get you out of the group stage. Canada's draw with Nigeria in Melbourne on Friday means... Uh, that two wins almost certainly will get us out of the group stage and maybe even enough for top spot. Um, yeah, I watched that Canada-Nigeria game and I came away feeling less confident about the Matilda's chances against Nigeria, but more confident against it, of their chances against Canada. And uh, I, I was not that impressed with Canada. Canada, obviously, are coming to Perth. Uh, they play Ireland on Wednesday night. And uh, I tell you what, there's a lot of Irish people in Perth. Uh, the Irish team were given a hero's welcome at the airport, uh, I believe, yesterday. It's going to be a very you know, pro-Irish crowd at Perth uh, Rectangular Stadium on Wednesday night. And uh, Canada are going to have to be prepared for that. They, uh, you know, I, don't, I think they underperformed in their first game. The pressure's on them now. And especially if, the, you know, if they don't get a result in that game, if they don't beat Ireland 
they will go into that Australia game knowing that they will need a win just to qualify, whereas Australia may have already wrapped up qualification and top spot by that point. So there is everything to play for for Canada and Ireland on Wednesday night. So in terms of being able to manage Sam Kerr for this World Cup, then, uh, Ben, and, and keep her out until the calf is right, um, the game against Nigeria becomes key, doesn't it, really? Get the win there and you can probably sit Sam Kerr down until the elimination rounds and uh, and maybe make sure she makes a full recovery from the calf. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when the news was announced and the timeline specifically was announced, you know, the fact she would be, you know, assessed after the second group game, well, you know, she, she sustained the calf injury on Wednesday. Uh, you know, that second group game is Thursday. And, you know, as we both know, Duff, you know, calf injury is normally not a 10-day recovery. It's normally, you know, two weeks minimum. So I, I am wondering whether, you know, they are being extra cautious and it's maybe just some calf soreness as opposed to, you know, a strain. And they're just trying to be as, you know, as careful as possible uh, to, to manage it or whether it is actually a grade one calf strain, which means that she would almost certainly miss that Canada game. And like you said, if they can beat Nigeria, they're through to the next round. Um, you know, if Canada beat Ireland, then, you know, there'll be a bit more riding on that third game uh, because, you know, top spot will effectively be decided by, the, by who wins that game. So I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if they do beat Nigeria and, you know, Canada can't get a favourable result against Ireland, they will rest her from that third game anyway and give her the most, you know, they're going to give her the most amount of time they can to make sure that she's fit and firing on all cylinders because you don't want an undercooked Sam Kerr coming into the tournament in the knockout stages. Who are you tipping to win the lot? Uh, I'm tipping Germany, who, uh, you know, if they get their campaign underway today, um, they are the, uh, no, I tip them pre-tournament, but I think it is a really open tournament. When I've looked at this, uh, you know, when I was doing my predictions, I think I came, I did about 20, you know, 25 predictions, and I think they have five different winners each, to- each time. It's just a, you know, you can make an argument for so many different teams, and, well, like I said, the gap between the the weaker teams and the stronger teams has narrowed significantly. Like you had South Africa pushing Sweden all the way yesterday. You had Haiti only going down one 0 to England. You had uh, you know Ireland obviously did a very good job against uh, the Matildas last Thursday, and then you know Nigeria got that point off Canada. Uh, even America and Vietnam, which I think lots of people tipped to be a thrashing. Uh, you know Vietnam gave a very good account of themselves. Uh, the Philippines did themselves, you know, uh, a, a lot of credit against uh, Switzerland. And, uh, yeah, it's, I think that, you know, these, are, these group stage games are going to throw up a few surprises. Uh, I think Germany, you know, we haven't seen them play yet, but I think Germany are going to be uh, up there for me. Uh, you can't rule out the US. They're a very good tournament team, and they've won the last two. Uh, you know, Matildas, you know, if they can get Kerr back, obviously that... You know, elevates their ceiling quite significantly. Uh, Sweden, another team I've had an eye on. I wasn't too impressed by them against South Africa. Uh, but, you know, they got the win, and that's very important for them. And then France, who drew nil all with Jamaica last night, not a great start to the tournament for them. But they're another team. I think they've got enough individual quality that they might be able to have a, you know, a big say when it gets down to the pointy end of the tournament. Ben Smith. You can read his insights on the Women's World Cup and also he's definitely going to keep you up to speed on what is happening at Perth Glory in the West Australian. Ben, thanks for joining us on the show. 
No worries, Duff. Always a pleasure. Yes, look forward to reading more of Ben's stuff. What do you think you can have your say on the temper at Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736? You can give us a call on the open line. That is 13 12 55. We've got a lot of good texts coming through. We'll get to them in the last half hour of the show after the news. Right now, we'll take a break. We are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Utes. You can live your own way in the Isuzu MUX. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today.